Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic, here with my dogs, Lucy and Bert. Together, we're interviewing cool, creative women entrepreneurs in the pet industry. Do you dream of working alongside your dog? Then sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode to find the inspiration and resources that will help you grow your own dog-inspired business. On this episode, we're talking a lot about life-changing dog nutrition. The origin story of this business starts with a Doberman who was given just six months to live. But through a major diet change, he went on for nearly three more years. Now, that nutrition advice and knowledge is being shared with dogs all over the country, changing the way dog moms give treats to their pups. Today's guest also gives some great advice on how to launch a business that's different from the status quo. Ruby Balaram is the founder of Real Dog Box, a fresh dog treat and chew delivery service. Born a valley girl, she's now based in San Diego after moving to the West Coast from Washington, D.C. to launch Real. Ruby was in the legal legal field for about a decade before leaving the corporate world for startup life. Unlike most dog business owners, she did not grow up with a dog. It was witnessing firsthand how a fresh food diet saved the life of a 12-year-old Doberman that inspired her to start real and change the way we feed our dogs. Hey, Ruby. Hi. I'm so excited to talk to you and learn more about your business because, um, you know, I, I've interviewed so many different entrepreneurs since starting this podcast. You're episode 57. So I've wow. talked to a lot of women and um, I don't, I, I haven't talked to too many people who have dealt with items. How should I put this? Like as gross as the items that you deal with. <laughs> <laughs> so tell everyone about Real Dog Box and the kinds of products that you sell. Sure, sure. Well, we only have one product. It's our treat and chew box um, and several variations and sizes. But the idea behind it is to help introduce people to fresh food and transitioning their dogs to a a more biologically appropriate diet. Um, And so every month we make a different combination of treats and chews. And that covers two things nutritional diversity by including things like chicken feet and green tripe and lamb lungs. Um, And also because it's something to keep the dogs excited. So they get something new every month. Yeah, that kind of like mixing it up in diversity, I think is so important because like I'm always amazed that my dogs get excited about eating dinner and breakfast every day because they eat like the same thing I mean, I put toppers and, you know, I'm like crazy dog lady, but um, in general, they're eating like basically the same thing every day and and they're so excited about that. So having different things, I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. And that's something that we've seen so many people that are feeding similar to how you are and just eating small fresh food into their diet has made a world of difference in their dogs. Yeah, it's amazing. So tell us, um, since you didn't really grow up with dogs and it's not like you were, you know, a little girl dreaming of running a dog subscription box company. (laughs) Um, Tell us about this Doberman who who did inspire you to start this. Yeah, definitely. Um, Right. I didn't grow up with a dog and I actually never imagined that I would have one. My family just 
they just weren't dog people. Yeah. Uh, they grew up with dogs, but with dogs outside of their home and kind of like the, the street dogs that come over and, you know, you give them some of your leftovers and that's it. They don't come into your bed and snuggle with you the way that we do with our dogs now. Um, but the Doberman that inspired real was actually my co-founder Turk's dog. Um, his name was a and around the time that I met him, he was already close to 12 years old. And uh, he had suffered from testicular cancer when he was nine. So that happened. And then a couple years later, he was diagnosed with DCM. So he had a, a heart disease. Mm -hmm. And the vet suspected that uh, another form of cancer had come back. And basically gave him six months to live. They didn't want to do a biopsy. They just said it would be too hard on his body, especially considering his age, because generally speaking, a Doberman's lifespan is around 12 to yeah, 13 years old. Yeah, that's very old for a Doberman. Yeah. Um, but when I met him was actually at the same time my co-founder Turk was starting another business called Level Up Meals. And that was a fresh food delivery service for people for humans. Um, and ironically, at the time I was approaching my 30th birthday, and you're probably like, what does that have to do with anything? Um, and it's that I wanted to be in the best shape of my life. And so you were I facing started... your own mortality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Looking back, I'm like, wow, it wasn't that serious. Yeah, the old age of 30. <laughs> um, but I had just started doing CrossFit. And really started paying attention to my own diet, clean eating. Um, the the food line of Turk's business level at meals started on paleo meals. And so I started eating paleo. If you're not familiar, it's basically cutting out all those carbs that you don't need, replacing them with good carbs. Um, but I saw a major change in not only my physical appearance, but like mentally. I was I just felt great and amazing. And so I, we were really deep into nutrition at that time. And it kind of dawned on us when we were like, why is he getting sick again? Why is this happening? And I know this happens to a lot of dog owners. You're almost in denial as your dog starts, you know, goes into those senior years and approaching that old age. And you kind of just are like, what can I do to stop this from happening? Um, so we started looking into his diet and, and Atum was raised mostly on home-cooked food, which was a lot of rice in the diet, and uh, kibble, so mm -hmm. kind of a little bit of both, but then realizing that, wow, that's a lot of carbs in his diet. Um, we learned that dogs don't have a dietary need for carbohydrates, that they can get their energy from meat, fats, and we just put two and two together and realized, well, the, if there's anything that we can do, it's going to be diet related because we didn't want to, you know, do a biopsy and potentially put him on chemo. Um, he already had some medication that he was taking for his heart disease. And we thought, let's just see what we can do. So we learned about raw feeding. We learned about transitioning him to a fresh food diet. And generally speaking, a transition like that is not recommended cold turkey for a, an older dog because, you know, it's it's harder on their gut. They're just, frankly, not as resilient as a younger dog might, might take on um, a big change in diet like that. But it was the only thing we could do. So we did it. 
And um, <laughs> basically, a tomb went from a very old, grumpy, low-energy dog to a almost puppy-like finding this newfound love and motivation for food and life. Like I, it was funny. I was holding a chicken quarter because that's what we started the transition on. And he went from barely walking to literally chasing me down the street for this, for this piece of raw chicken. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, It is, it is. And had I not seen it with my own eyes, I'm not sure I would be able to talk about this as passionately as I do now. And, you know, that's actually what ultimately um, pushed me to leave the legal field after being in that for over 10 years um, to really t- tell people more about what I learned in my experience and and how we got here. So Atum ended up leaving, living until uh, 15 and a half years old, which is oh my pretty gosh. unheard of. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's amazing for like a lot of reasons, but wow, what a great story. Mm -hmm. I always like, you just make me think, you know, I had an older dog, another lab who passed away like three years ago. And that was before I knew about any of this stuff. And like before CBD was really available and she had bad arthritis and all sorts of problems. And I just like think back, of course, there's nothing I can do now, but like, you know, what if, you know, I had known about some of these things or had other things available to me, how could it have changed her life? So I'm really excited about my two dogs now, Bert and Lucy, because they're both about seven years old. Um, So they're, you know, considered senior dogs for labs. And, Mm -hmm. um, and now I have so much information and like resources. I can't wait to see how they age. I mean, I don't want to rush it, but <laughs> I, I think that they're going to age a lot more gracefully than my my poor old girl. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's the more you know, and I I know I can see people. The human food revolution has changed a lot in the last decade. You know, I grew up eating spam and corned beef and macaroni and cheese and stuff like that, and my I know my parents did it out of convenience and also because they just didn't think it was that bad for you. Right. And we know better now so we can make better decisions and kind of also use that information for our dogs. Yeah. So what are some things that dog moms or pet parents could feed their dogs to give them a better life? Obviously, they can they can subscribe. Is your box is a subscription? Right? It's a subscription. Yes, we so do. So they could subscribe um, to your box. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you have so much knowledge. So what would you recommend that people, what are like some small changes they could make to just make a big impact? Definitely. Um, the two things that I recommend to start with is adding a little bit of fresh food into the diet. And that can be in the form of um maybe a little bit of your dinner that you cooked for yourself, like some cooked beef, ground beef or chicken or pork, uh, or it's raw if you wanna try that, or in the form of a a treat, a single ingredient meat treat that doesn't have anything but meat in it. Um, And then also diversity. As you said, it's kind of surprising that our dogs are so excited to eat the same thing, uh, you know, for breakfast and for dinner. Um, they're hungry. And for the most part, dogs are very, very food motivated. Um, and so, you know, just like us, when I was approaching uh, my the best shape of my life, I, w- I was told by a, a personal trainer that I should do the chicken and broccoli diet. 
which was literally chicken breast and broccoli, no salt, just um, steamed or cooked. And I was like, that is so boring. And he said, yeah, but it works. Maybe, maybe for the short term, but it just wasn't something that was sustainable for me. After a week, you're going to be craving like a dozen cupcakes. So (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So the same thing goes for our dogs. I kind of use the same philosophy and their diet is in our hands. So if you can switch it up a little bit and maybe that means um, a different – if you're feeding dry food, a different flavor or protein, every other bag, um, or just adding those fresh treats into their diet. You know, as you said, meal top. Actually, that's what I was going to ask you. What do you meal top with? Um, so we use Stella and Chewy's food, and they make a really great topper um, that comes in different protein sources. Um, right now, we're doing a salmon and cod one that's just freeze-dried, um, like, little nuggets that mm-hmm. we put on top. Uh, and then thanks to other podcast guests that I've had on, um, I also started adding whole raw eggs in yes. to the dog's food. Like usually once a week, we try to do that. Like that's their Monday night thing in, in their mm-hmm. dinner. And then um, I do share some of my food with my dog. So every morning I pretty much eat the same thing for breakfast, which is plain yogurt with granola, chia, and some fresh fruit. And so whatever fresh fruit I'm having, I give some to the dogs. They get um, pureed pumpkin sometimes in their dinner. They get a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, no, all great stuff. Those are things. So I, I usually start with the fresh food and diversity, but my next two suggestions are always a whole egg and yogurt. Yeah. Some kind of probiotic. So you, you're doing great. Oh, thank you. I've had a lot of help from a, like obviously 50 other people on my podcast to get me to this point. <laughs> but it's really fun. And I think it like, um, you know, one of the things that I like to promote through like everything that I do is just like enjoying your life with your dog as much as you can. And making their mealtime you know, different for them is exciting for them, but it also kind of gets you more involved. And it, I have found that it made me more passionate about what I'm giving them. And it makes me look forward to their dinner because I'm like, oh, I'm going to crack a whole leg in here and like watch them crunch down on it. Um, you know, it just, it makes you more involved with your dog and I think feel a stronger bond with them, which is really cool. No, definitely. I have recently been doing some nutrition consultations and In the beginning, I believed in completely switching to fresh food. Not that there wasn't any other way, but that you had to make a drastic change in order to make an impact. I've changed a lot since then, since we started. I think that uh, one of the questions that I always ask people is like, what is your lifestyle? What, What do you do for fun? Because I don't think it should be a job or a chore. I mean, we're, we're all eating all the time. And so that's kind of something that you do. So do you do your own meal prep? Like do you, a lot of people do crock pot meals, for example, on Sundays, and that's what they're having during the week. So just add a little bit onto that. You can make those same, use the same ingredients to make your dog's food um, rather than just like, okay, I got to go out and get this grinder and I've got, you don't have to do all that. I mean, yeah, and now, buy a dehydrator or whatever. You don't have right. to do all that. Like I started, um, I learned from someone else on the show how to make um, homemade chicken jerky. And I started making that for the dogs like once a month or so. I make that just in the mm-hmm. oven. Um, it's, yeah. re- it's really cool. 
No, definitely. It's it's a lot easier than we think. And fortunately, there's a lot of companies out here now that are providing things like that as a service. So you don't have to do it at home. Right. Sorry to interrupt the interview, but I would love to see what you're doing while you catch up with the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. Take a screenshot of this episode in your podcast player or snap a selfie with your earbuds in. Bonus points if it's on a dog walk and share it to your Instagram stories tagging me at tmystic. I'll keep an eye out for mentions and I would love to give you a shout out from my own account. Okay, now back to the episode. So, okay, so we've talked so much about food, but I want to um, make sure before we run out of time um, to talk about your business too. So, like, so Real Dog Box is a subscription box for dogs. So every month, dogs get a selection of different kinds of like chews and and treats and snacks and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So how? How did you get this started? Um, like, what were some of the challenges in, I would imagine, like, sourcing the the products that you're including was kind of a challenge. So tell us a little bit about that startup phase. Yeah, definitely. Well, I will say sourcing is probably the hardest part of my job. Um, till this day, very, very difficult to even get in touch with um, reputable and non-reputable uh, people that are distributing farmed products. Um, but the re- the way we got started, we actually intended on making raw meals and doing that as a fresh food delivery service. So Turk and I quit our jobs, got in the car, moved west, and found a small um, storefront location that we rented, and that was in August of 2015. And... We started making the meals and vacuum sealing them. And then when we looked into um, logistics of shipping out frozen product, we realized that it was going to be so expensive. And why would anyone pay $100 for a product from a company they've never heard of? So we actually had to quickly pivot to uh, something that was a little bit more affordable, but obviously still in line with our food philosophy. And so that's how we started making the treats and chews. We were um, already doing that for Atum, who was our only dog at the time. And uh, we thought, well, maybe some people would want to feed this instead. And it would be a good stepping stone to transitioning fully to fresh food or just, you know, getting into the dog's diet. Um, And to add on to that, on the startup side of things, we only had a three-month runway. We only had what was in our savings account, which was to pay rent from August to December. And it if we didn't make it, we didn't make it. So you had to make some um, decisions quickly. We had, yes, yes. And so we started with that prototype in November, put up a very, very small landing page in December. And to be honest, I don't even know how we got our first order. It was a nice lady named Amber who stuck with us for, since actually she just paused because she's out of the country, but um she ordered from us and we shared it on social media. And then next thing you know, we were just, the orders just started pouring, pouring in. That's so awesome. Yeah. What we found that worked for us, and I think it's different for any kind of product is Instagram has been our friend uh, because people like taking photos of their dogs and sharing them. I, I was actually really surprised at how many dog accounts, dog only accounts where you never saw the face of the owner. It's just like, literally for their dog. I didn't even know that was a thing. 
Um, it's like literally <laughs> endless. There's probably millions. <laughs> I know. Um, but when we were getting started three years ago, I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll share this and people will like to see a dog eating our treats. And that just, it took off. Three years there. ago, it was different. Like nowadays, if I meet a cute dog out in the neighborhood or something, I ask them if their dog has an Instagram account. And it's like, <laughs> they nobody even like blinks or thinks twice about it. They're like, oh yeah, you can follow him at like River the Pug. Um, <laughs> um, it's like totally normal and mainstream now. But three years ago, you're right. It was a little bit more unusual to have your dog's own Instagram account. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but we made it. I mean, we we relied heavily on on Instagram. And whenever you start a business, it's you just you see what works, and then that's what you do. Go you in that direction hard. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Very cool. So um, one of the things that I've noticed that like caught my eye and kind of made me more aware of your brand was the pack walks that you do with a friend of ours, Maggie Loves Orbit, aka Hannah. <laughs> um, she's actually on episode 15 of this podcast, if anyone wants to go back in the archives. Um, so she is like an Instagram superstar, and she does a ton of posts, but you guys sort of like I don't know how you would categorize it, but like co-host these pack walks in the San Diego area. So tell us a little bit about those and and why that's a valuable thing for you to do for your business. Sure. It's funny how that happened. Um, Hannah reached out to me on Instagram to learn a little bit more about dog nutrition because one of her dogs, uh, Orbit, had suffered from some skin allergies Mm -hmm. and she was trying to learn more about how diet might help or affect that. Um, But we became friends and we talked about how we both have reactive dogs. Um, So her dog is can be leash reactive. And I have now an Anatolian shepherd, which is a livestock guardian who um, assumes any four legged animal to be a threat to us. Um, and so we start actually just started out walking on our own as friends. And the way that I explained it is like, look, we have a dog food business and I would love to bring my dog, but if another dog, you know, maybe with friendly intentions approaches him, it's just bad news for everyone. So my goal was just to get him to be in close proximity with other dogs without interacting with them. And I think Hannah had seen a dog trainer um, not too long before that, and she attended a pack walk, and she told me about it, and she said, well, let's just walk our dogs together, and they don't have to interact, no nose-to-nose interactions, no butt-snuffing, just let's just walk. So we did that, and then a friend came along the next time, and then a couple more friends started coming, and we said, well, let's just start a meetup group. Well, there might be other people that are kind of struggling with the same things, So we did that, and that was a little over a year ago, and our pack walks have grown to (laughs) 30 to 60 people every weekend. And so we try to do – we host them down here in San Diego. We try to do uh, hikes, you know, because the weather is so beautiful, especially in the wintertime. But we also do urban walks, which I think are a little bit more practical. Um, You know, I want to go out to dinner, and there's so many dog-friendly places, and I would like to bring my dog on to a setting like that, but if he's not used to being around a lot of people and a lot of distractions, it's going to be difficult, but it was amazing. You can see 
the biggest difference in how our dogs are able to just kind of be cool. You don't have to play. Um, socialization doesn't always mean that it's a play date. Sometimes it just means coexisting in a very uh, structured environment. And so that's what we try to create with the pack walks. Yeah, I think it's really awesome. I um, have noticed that I went on a pack walk here in Pittsburgh, actually. One of my friends organized it. And she was like, oh, I saw this account. Maggie Loves Orbit is doing these pack walks. And I was like, I know her. (laughs) Um, So what you guys are doing is actually traveling all the way over here to the East Coast in Pittsburgh. Um, You know, your concepts and your ideas are really resonating with other dog owners over here. So it's really cool. Yeah, I love that. If you guys want ever tips on how to get them started, please reach out. You can go over to our, our meetup page, San Diego Pack Walks, and see all the tips that we have on there. Really, really easy to get started. You just need people that are open and willing to learn and that want to bond a little better with their dog. Yeah. And and make new friends, I think, in the process too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, when I now realize that all my friends are people that I've met on the Pack Walk. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so in like the last couple minutes that we have here, um, one one question that I sort of had written down beforehand was advice from you on for, to share with someone who wants to launch a startup to disrupt an industry. So, you know, the dog treat industry for years and years and years um, meant to a lot of people like Milkbone and that was it. Um, and so you have kind of turned that on its head and really revolutionized and, and disrupted it in a major way. So what would you give what kind of advice would you give to someone who has a similar sort of revolutionary idea? I think my best advice would be to start with a product and work backwards. Um, think about what people's pain points are. Like what problem are you trying to solve for them? And in some cases, they don't even know that they have a problem, right? And pe- people that we run into, they don't even know that milk bones are bad. They're like, What's the big deal? And so if you are able to provide some education behind why you're doing what you're doing, you know, we have our, we're, we're filled with consumers that are much more educated than they were 10 or 20 years ago. And online shoppers, I mean, the information is endless. Like I can make a claim and what's stopping you from just opening a new tab and Googling like, well, are milk bones really bad? Or, you know, do dogs really need all these carbohydrates? Just for example. And so knowing that um, whatever product that you're going to offer has to provide them some value. And if you kind of work backwards from that, think about, okay, well, if I'm going to tell them they need to change what they're feeding, I need to also provide some education and information to back that claim up. Um, And I think that's probably the biggest hurdle that most entrepreneurs get stuck with because they think it's a great idea for them, but maybe not for your next door neighbor. Right. And I think I've heard like over the years um, that in order to communicate things to like the general public, you need to spell it out at like a third grade level, (laughs) which sounds kind of almost insulting. You're like, I'm smarter than that. But you really need to like lay things out super simply to people in order to, to communicate to your customers because People aren't dumb, but people are very busy. Um, So, you know, they don't really have time to go learn everything on their own. You need to tell them about it. So it's a really great point. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're just inundated with information. 
24-7. I mean, in your even on your Facebook feed, there it's just like words that you're just, you know, so much to digest and consume. So you have to be really careful about the message that you're trying to send and very specific too. Mm-hmm. Like why uh, is this product that I'm offering going to change your life? Yeah, that's awesome. So real quick before we go, the last question is, do you have any tools or resources that you rely on to run your business? They could be free yeah, or yeah. paid or books or anything. Well, we're we're still a very lean startup, so we take all the free apps that we can get. Good. <laughs> Me too. Um, I mean, our goal is to automate your dog's nutrition, and so we rely heavily on technology to be able to do that. Um, two things that I highly recommend – whether it's a small or big team, our Slack is what we use for our communication tool. And that just allows for several different channels that you can talk on. You can send documents or pictures and keep track of those conversations. And it helps when you have multiple teams um, so that you're not, you know, sending all everyone the same message that or copying people that don't need to be copied in on that. Um, And so that saves us a lot of time, as well as Asana, which Mm -hmm. is what we use for our project management tool. We've got our editorial calendar in there. We've got our operation schedule and sourcing information. Um, And that really just helps to keep track of all the different projects and even smaller day-to-day tasks that we're working on. Um, And also to invite people in so that they can not necessarily have to ask you what you're working on. They can just see it. They know. Yeah. So for your other team members. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Ruby, it was so great to talk to you and um, hopefully we can talk more another time, but tell everyone for now where they can find you on the internet. Yeah. So we're Real Dog Box. You can pretty much find us on any channel by searching at Real Dog Box. Um, On Instagram, we love sharing in our stories exactly how we make our food and you can enjoy photos and videos of dogs that have enjoyed everything we've made so far. Um, we're on Facebook, and you can also find us at real.dog. Ooh, okay. I'm I'm like, now you got me thinking. I'm kind of obsessed. I want to... I want to buy a domain that's .dog, but like I haven't thought of a good idea for like the first part of it yet, but now <laughs> now you've inspired me. So real.dog, everybody check it out. Thank you, and thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. You can fetch show notes at wearwagrepeat.com. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, we'll see you around the dog park.